Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So today is going to be a little bit of a conversation grab bag off the cuff thing because it's been a few weeks. We don't really have anything solid to discuss, but I do have a couple of things I've been thinking about from the past few weeks. You know, I've been playing a lot of stuff. You've clearly been playing a lot of stuff. I've been watching stuff and you've also been watching stuff. So it's amazing. It's and amazing. I actually have like some like a major milestone to talk about, too. Lies. Um, so the first thing I wanted to start with, though, is I'm I'm about to embark on another journey of seeking a destiny substitute. And what I'm starting to really realize is that the you play Overwatch. No, because I'm looking for player versus environment i don't want to do pvp stop trying to get me onto overwatch um but the thing about destiny is it is top-notch first person shooter combat and gameplay you have a great ai you have great feeling mechanics great feeling guns and abilities and it all comes together in an experience that's just really good it's really sound it's you have enemies that know how to dodge sniper fire for example you know how you have enemies that are always adapting always flanking um so it encourages you to think a bit even sometimes when you're playing in the easier areas kind of a deal so this week um we'll be starting because i only did the tutorial area we will be starting anthem you and i will be playing that and this this is true. We will be starting Anthem. I will be starting Anthem. And from just the very beginning of playing that game, just like the tutorial mission where you have to do it like single player before they let you play with other people, I can tell the mechanics are going to be solid enough, but everything else surrounding it is going to be handled very poorly. Um, I don't. I know you play like the beta and stuff, but for me, it's like. The first thing to go wrong is that EA is trying to tell me to use my account. And because my Xbox One was using a different email than what I used for Jedi Fallen Order or whatever, I can't use my usual screen name because it's already taken. I have to use a different one because I can't, it gives me no option to switch to that email. I have to use the email tied to my Xbox. So I now basically have two EA accounts instead of just the one. I'm going to run into that too, crap. Yep. Um, and the fact that you have to do this EA account crap on a console system. Like, I'm not using Origin. I'm on an Xbox. I don't need Origin. I don't need your account crap. Don't have me do this crap. And yet, they're, they're, they're doing it. It's gotta, it's gotta happen. So, and, and the fact that after I input all of my information, it couldn't connect to the server, and then I had to do it all over again. That's just, like, top-notch there, man. Um, so already like out the gate, it's like, oh goodness, what experience am I in, in with? But honestly, what really did it was the writing feels so forced. The characters, the, 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 everything about the story. Someone at Bioware really likes to open up with, um, exposition. And I don't understand why. Like Dragon Age Origins opened with exposition and it was bad. Um, Mass Effect, on the other hand, oh wait, no, did it open with exposition? It kind of did, didn't ah, it? I can't remember now. Like, it opens with a little bit of a text crawl and everything, because I was going to say, like, that game doesn't really have expo exposition. You find out about the specters and all that as you're going through, but no, because it's got a little bit of, like, text crawl before you see Shepard looking out the window and all that stuff, and it's like, man, even they ha had exposition, and it's like, that is a bad tool to rely on like you got a codex anyway it's like let people figure it out as they go along um Wait, you can you do a, this in video codex? games and even then like um in anthem they give you all of this like exposition but half the words make no sense anyway like i i i, oh, they I, don't I definitely cipher later I definitely caught that when i was when i was doing the um the open beta thing was like these are like 75% of the words in that sentence are made up words. Like, how am I supposed to have any clue what's going on? Or at least arranged in ways that they make no sense in plain English. 
So yeah. it's like you still got to like learn what this crap is eventually anyway. Um, so the exposition is just completely pointless. And like, again, like I don't, I can't, we can't be making these comparisons all the time, but it's like, how does destiny open up? Destiny opens up with a little robot critter, bringing a dead body back to life. And that's it. That's what you're given. That's where you begin. And yet that's all you need. Like you didn't really need much more. The game explains enough as you go. And even though we know there's like pages upon pages upon pages of lore, you don't really like you don't need it. You, you don't need that much in order to do the story. But Bioware is Bioware, and Bioware said, you know, we're not gonna do things like we don't want to hear how Destiny does it. We don't want to hear how Division does it. We don't want to hear how anyone else does it. They're just gonna do their own thing. And now you have these like this jargon just thrown out there, and it's like okay, uh, Cataclysm, like. I mean, Cataclysm sounds bad. I guess that's where we're starting the game. Uh, things go wrong. People that I don't know die. Um, whoever this lady is with the Star Wars headdress, uh, she's freaking out. Because um, <laughs> she can hear the anthem sing, but nobody else can. Like you, You're just getting all this crap at once. And then... Again, like I feel like when you, you land back in that city after the t tutorial mission's done... Every character is designed, and I think this is, again, like the, the Joss Whedon syndrome. I've been noticing this with a lot of games and stuff the past few years, where it's like these people that grew up loving Joss Whedon and the witticisms and this, that, and the other thing. Like, the characters are too... I don't even want to say energetic. It's like, you're going to like me, right? Because I'm a character. And because I'm a character that's so like witty and likable, you're just going to love me, right? You're going to make Tumblr gifts about me or something, right? Right? And it's like this whole, no, this is forced. These people don't feel real. They feel artificial by being this sort of pumped up emotion way too much. So, And that's something that, I mean, Destiny 2 fell into that a little bit with the... Um, characters like Asher Mir and Failsafe. Def well, Failsafe uh, was at least interesting still. Uh, yeah, like there was, yeah, it wasn't just like, oh, here's a guy and he's got a personality. Um, boy, does he have a personality. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, which is that? But like, right, like, but there was still, so I, I agree with that. That is definitely like a, a pitfall in one of these games where you have a bunch of vendors or. NP quest NPCs that you're going to be dealing with a lot and they want to make them somewhat memorable but then at the same time it, they end up just making them kind of like they all end up being the same because they're just like different versions of I, I haven't actually played Anthem extensively to make this judgment about Anthem I've just seen it before where it sort of makes everybody the same by trying to make everybody stand out. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it does. And it's like, it's funny again, because to me, it's like, when I think, actually, I, I forget what I was, I forget what I was playing or who I was listening to today, but someone said, all right, all right, all right. And immediately I thought of the drifter. So he's memorable <laughs> in his own way. And then you have, like, the spider is a good example. The spider is not a comedian. The spider doesn't have, um, the spider doesn't have that kind of energy, but he's memorable because partly the voice acting and partly he's just this big, fat alien crime lord guy. Varric's had an interesting way of speaking kind of thing. Like, there's ways to create characters with quirks and stuff like this, but instead they're all trying to make the, I'm a hotshot internet per like, they, they sound like streamers. They sound like streamers to me now that I think about it. Like, the guy helping you is a British streamer. That's his personality. Like, and maybe that's because it's like, well, we're trying to appeal to the streaming crowd. So, of course, we got to get this kind of a personality. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually we start seeing more streamers pop up in voice acting roles more often just because of that kind of crap. Hmm. This cat is like this game by Bioware starring Markiplier. Starring I mean, Dr. Demented. Is that what the guy's name is? A, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, no, but also like that would be <laughs> an interesting way to say like uh, to deal with, I don't know, like uh, something like a, 
the strike that we've played a million times in Destiny 2. Um, with, uh, the uh, one with the giant Savathan, worm? Savathan's song. Yeah. Where you have all of these... You hear all these guardians dying, basically, that were there before you and then on the other fire team that sucked because they were a team of nine that couldn't handle this and you're a team of three and you're like, whatever, I can do this in my sleep. Um, <laughs> but anyway, like something like that, I, I could, it would be kind of fun to watch that, to, to play it and if you're into the, that whole thing and having like streamers do voice sort of voice cameos like that. Like, oh, like, yeah, whatever, this this Destiny streamer is the voice of Guardian number three in your strike yeah, or something like that. that. Yeah, that would, be, that would be pretty cool. It's like, listen to this guy die. It's like, well, either you're a fan of his or you're just glad to hear a streamer die. It's like one of the two. <laughs> but, either way, you like this. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that would be pretty cool. But um, I mean, granted, again, like I haven't played enough of Anthem. Because, I mean, I just did a tutorial, then it's like, oh, I can play with other people. Let me pause here, and then me and Steve and my niece can co-op it. And we can play it together, and we can make it a nice little fun evening. Um, so we'll see. And it's, it might be a game that I do a separate account just to, like, because I kind of feel like it's a game I could just do the story. That's another weird thing, too. But that's something that I'm kind of coming... That I also tried today. I played more... I put more time into Fantasy Star Online 2 because that's now available for Xbox and because that's free to play, it's like... Because I, I tried Final Fantasy XIV um, last year. And the problem with Final Fantasy XIV is also the benefit of Final Fantasy XIV, which is it's you pay a subscription. Um, so logged in, you know, played a bit, got extra level up. It, it felt like playing an MMO version of Dragon Age in, the, in terms of mechanics, not in terms of visual hmm. aesthetic. Right. But it was a pretty good time. It was a nice kind of relaxing time. Like, this is a game where after work you can kind of just sit, chill, and ha just 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 chill. And like Final Fantasy fourteen felt like that. And then it reached a point where it's like, okay, you gotta play with other people now. And none of my friends that were currently playing were able to get. Firstly, none of them were playing on PlayStation 4, which means I would need to play on use Discord. At the time, I didn't have any good way to use Discord while playing on my PlayStation. And you and Nolan weren't ever going to be able to play Final Fantasy 14 and catch up in time for the, th the free 30 days. So I was yeah. like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to wait and see if maybe and, and they pick up on it or whatever. Like... I'm still open to Final Fantasy XIV, but it's like I I I need a I, I need a group to play a game with. Fantasy Star Online Two is free to play. I haven't hit any of the 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 garbage free to play elements yet. I've I see that there are some of those, um, including like you have a limited amount of storage space. You have to pay for extra storage space, so it's like uh um. But the thing with that game is it also has that sort of relaxing element at the start because it's not challenging. Like, I'm playing the beginning and I'm basically using a lot of the same attacks on enemies. And it's like, I, I, I picked the melee class. I like the melee class well enough. It's not bad. I get to play a robot man. Ooh. But at the same time, it's like, what I played, even though I could party up with other people, I'm just sitting there like... Not yet. Like, I can't see it yet. Like, there's nothing here that we would benefit from. And that's where, again, I go back to Destiny. And where playing Destiny, the mechanics are just good. Like, we played Destiny together because we liked... And granted, we've been playing it for, like, as you said, six years or so. Maybe a little... Yeah, six years is about right. So we've been playing that game that long that we're kind of, like burn out on it like it's going to be seven years actually this fall yeah uh, or this summer because we started with a beta so it's like it's going to be seven years soon at some point you kind of get burnt out on it and especially like it sounds like what you said the latest event is just a big grind so yeah it's been it's it's been really grindy and i can imagine if you're a new player and you're coming in and you get something like guardian games uh, which was the, the most recent event where basically Guardian Games was a bounty-a-thon. Go get your bounties, 
complete your bounties and then turn in your medals and hope that try to make your class the winner kind of thing. But most of the, so most of these bounties could be easily completed just doing the content. The problem is I've done this. I've done this over and over again for years now where, oh, hey, it's a new event where you're just replaying existing content to get some kind of reward at the end of the event. And it's just not fun anymore. You know, three years ago, it was still fun. Um, so if you're a new player, if you just pick this up as a free-to-play game, you're like, oh, this is great. There's an event. I'm doing all this fun stuff. But I'm just like the old man sitting in the corner, um, you know, who's like, yeah, this was fun, you know, when I was a kid, but not yeah. anymore. <laughs> but it's kind, of, it's kind of like that. So I'm... But just, oh, man. Like, seven years ago, how old? Yeah, that... that. That's weird. Like, now I'm starting to really feel old because, like, I just started uh, recording Wind Waker footage and I'm like, this game came out seven years ago? It doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like it's been seven years since the Wii U, man. Like, it doesn't feel like that. And now you're, like, now thinking about this, it's like, oh my goodness, Destiny was seven years ago, wasn't it? This game's been out for a decent percentage of our lives. Holy yeah. cow. And it kind of it's kind of a shame too to think that seven years have gone by and there's still not really any other game that's got that expertise of mechanics for a shooter. Um, like the closest you get is like Doom Eternal kind of a deal, like Doom and Doom Eternal, but they're a very different kind of play style. Yeah. And while that's definitely appreciated, it's like, but granted, then again, like. Me, me and Nolan played uh, Halo Reach with my niece uh, recently, and we played Firefight, and that still felt good. Like, some somehow Bungie is able to make age, ageless, timeless, ageless, I don't know, mechanics that just, they're just fun to play years after they, 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 they were new, they were fresh kind of a thing. Because playing Halo Reach again was almost like putting on an old, like, pair of shoes i don't know this that metaphor might be awful <laughs> but it's like it's comfort it's a comfort zone and it felt yeah. good to get back into and it's something that again like i might we might need to drag you back into at some point because it's just a good time i'd be happy to, uh, i'd play a little halo reach that'd be fun uh, and maybe so, we can get beyond round two maybe uh so on the flip side so i've been playing um my sort of uh new drug of choice as I'm not playing a lot of Destiny, has been Overwatch. And it's, see, it's a little bit different because <laughs> Overwatch, so the, the core shooting is not as good as Destiny by any means. But what's interesting about Overwatch to me is it's a game that's like the mechanic, the overall mechanics are so incredibly finely honed. I guess, you know, because it's an eSport, um, among other things. So just, you know, you see the patches come through and it's like, oh, we, you know, we did a major nerf to um, crowd control abilities. And most of it's just like, you know, we reduced this cooldown or increased this cooldown by half a second. And we reduced this area of effect by, you know, one meter or something like that. But then you play the game and you're like, oh, that actually really made a difference that I couldn't get stunned for a second time for that extra half second to give me time to get away um, from, you know, one of the more crowd control heavy characters and things like that, where it's like, it's, um, it's almost too balanced at points where, where there's such this great interplay between all the other classes, which is something that Destiny, for all of its amazing mechanic, kind of lacks, where... There's not, there's not a ton of synergy, or, um, or sort of this sort of rock paper scissors built into the game, right? I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah, it, it, there, you're not necessarily in a situation where Hunter beats Titan beats Warlock beats Hunter, right? Something like that. Where so like, right? Exactly. So playing, or even within the different classes. Sure, there's a little bit of that in PV. Uh, in PvP, but it really doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like 
you know, in Overwatch, say, um, I like, I usually play Wrecking Ball and Reinhardt. Um, I like to be a main tank. So Reinhardt is a seven foot tall murder machine with a rocket hammer. Um, and Wrecking Ball is a hamster in a death ball um, who spins and swings and other things. So they're both like kind of melee-ish characters um, who, yeah, who do a lot of like close quarter stuff. So what, what I'll see is if I start having some good plays, I start seeing teams adapt to me. Uh, I start seeing teams, okay, well, we got the May, so they, got, they put a May. May has an ice gun that can freeze Hammond. And then it makes me play different because of all of that. And that's where there's, there's just all of these great mechanics where I don't even think about the fact sometimes that it's a, it's a PvP game um, because it's objective-based. And I'm just thinking about adapting to the environment that's adapting to me and sort of readapting. You know what I mean? It's almost like when an enemy switches from one character to another, it's sort of like I beat that character. Like, you know what? There's a good way to view it, actually, that I never really thought of before. And it does explain why, because I don't hate Overwatch. I actually did el enjoy elements of it. But it's like if you cross the character element of Smash Brothers or something like that with Unreal Tournament's objective modes. Because now that I think about it, some of those some of those modes remind me of Assault from Unreal Tournament 2K4. Yeah, and I think definitely. It was Unreal Tournament. And Assault was one of my favorite modes because of the objective base. Um, I always loved that element because it's not about the number of kills it's not about this it's about just as long as you can contribute to the team and that's one of the things that overwatch at least has is can you contribute to the team and they especially don't focus on well they kind of do focus on kill count but they don't it depends on the the mode i guess well it's yeah, like i mean for the main modes to so sort of like overwatch core play kill count is you can get a medal for it. it's one medal basically. Um, they would be, you know at the end of the match you get there's different medals. Um, the medals everyone shares are you know eliminations, damage done, healing done, objective time. Is that it? Damage, healing, objective time, objective objective kills. Um, so that's like a totally different different. Um, Thing, and then each character has like individual things that they can be highlighted for. So if you're a healer and you got zero kills the whole match, but you did twenty thousand healing, your face gets popped up on the highlight, the you know the highlight cards at the end of the match. Like you know, Chris was Lucio and did twenty five thousand healing. Which is oh, a I, lot never healing for Lucio. I, I, I never played Lucio. I knew Lucio. I was bad at him. But how are you bad at <laughs> Lucio? <laughs> Sorry, because. I'm bad at a lot of things, man. I yeah, I'm bad at a lot of things. That's the best I can put it. Um, anyway, but like so that kind of thing. So right. So it it I, f I feel like that's one of the way reasons that it has such a broad appeal as well is that there's just there's 20 different ways to play. You can be Soldier 76 and pretend you're playing Call of Duty, yeah, um, and just shoot everybody. Or you can be Reinhardt and pretend you're playing some kind of Warcraft um, first person melee swing. game, yeah. First person melee game. Pretend you're playing For Honor, but with jetpacks. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And like, or, you know, or you're playing, you know, D.Va, who like can kind of half fly around the map and do all kinds of crazy moves and stuff like that. And it's like, it's, or, or like, I, this was just an observation I made on the game a while ago. I've noticed a number of more shy girls that I know like to play Widowmaker. And it didn't occur to me at first, and I'm like, well, it's a way that you can be away, essentially away from the action. You can contribute without being, like you're not Reinhardt swinging a hammer or Brigida like having to get in to the enemy's face to trigger your healing ability and stuff like that. You're halfway across the map trying to line up a good shot. Um, and you don't have to like be in anybody's face to do that. And decently and, mobile, so you can escape too. Anyway, you're decent. Yeah, she's got that grappling hook. Yeah, you've got an escape ability and stuff like that, where it, where it can seem, you know, 
clearly my fantasy is to be a seven foot tall German murder machine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm playing, and my favorite uh, voice line from Soldier 76 is Young Punks, get off my lawn. So I'm just playing myself. <laughs> <laughs> just yourself with an automatic rifle. Yep. Um, that's, that sounds about right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's sort of, it's definitely hitting some different notes. Um, I almost feel like Destiny, to some degree, the last couple years of, of playing Destiny as my regular, you know, logging in every day kind of game, it sort of desensitized me to not actually progressing a story. Where I think a few years ago, probably that was part of the problem with Overwatch. I'm like, what? I'm just gonna log in and like do objective-based modes all night. Like, okay. You know um, what the shame of it is, we'd all have to be able to use Discord to do it, and I'm equipped for it. But it's like Splatoon 2. If we could do Splatoon 2 as a PvP, I would be down for that because I was. I, I had a good time playing that, but it's tough now to get back into that swing of it because I'm playing all these single-player games. If I had something that I could play with others, but you don't have the voice communication. And honestly, part of... Look at this. This is like the multiplayer game podcast episode. <laughs> part of um, what makes... Because I think there were times where me and me and Nolan would just be wandering an environment doing some kind of bullcrap quest or like not even accomplishing anything just shooting things in circles because we were just having a conversation. It was like an excuse to just sit and hang out and have a conversation, have a good talk. Of course, most of these usually went until like midnight or even one in the morning at times. So you were like, all right, guys, I got to get to bed because yeah. I'm a dad. But like, it's like the, the ability to have voice chat is really important. And it is the one area where I will... I understand on one hand why Nintendo tried to push it off towards a phone because with the Switch being what it is, having to produce the graphics and other power that it is, I don't think people realize how much processing power some of this voice over IP network connection stuff takes in the background. Yeah. Um, it's going to seem insignificant when you think about it, but it's still, it's like basically the Switch has such a minimal operating system because it is dedicating everything to the games. Especially trying to output what it can as a when it's in handheld mode. And pushing all of that communication off to a phone, which everyone has, supposedly shouldn't be too bad of an idea. But their app is so bad that it would honestly be more beneficial to just use Discord on your phone than it would be to use their huh. app. But at the same time, if we're going to play online, who's going to want to use Discord on their phone versus I can just go into PlayStation Party Chat? I mean, cripes, the fact that PlayStation Party Chat at least reduces the volume on the game that you're playing and Xbox doesn't do that. Xbox doesn't even mute the TV like the PlayStation does. Like these basic functionality things makes me prefer the PlayStation for online gaming as it is instead of the Xbox. Which is funny because it was the exact opposite the previous generation. Um, yeah, PS3 really had a hard time getting their multiplayer functionality put together. Um, and just and, while we're talking about multiplayer shootings, this is another thing I think that... Um, <laughs> multiplayer I'll, shootings, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> shootings, shooters. Um, so this is another thing I think a lot of games could learn from Overwatch. And something that's made me actually play the competitive mode is... Overwatch makes it really easy to use voice chat and really easy to group up. So what that essentially means is it's a, it's a lot more fun. I don't know, did you you didn't really play any of the competitive PvP in Destiny? Nor did we Not ever much of it. And you probably I mean outside of when we were playing as a group, we didn't really none of us really did a lot of the high level activities. Not even um, I mean, we barely even in Destiny Two. We didn't even really do the raids as a group. Um, where we had unfortunately, a, no, we weren't able to get outside of Leviathan. We weren't able to get a regular six people. Yeah, but so in Overwatch, one of the really fun things for me as a person who likes to talk to people is you can kind of snowball these groups together throughout an evening of playing. And I'm just thinking about how that would look in Destiny Two, where like you could 
very quickly snowball a raid group together. Um, you know, where you will play a match, I'll play a match, and there's one other person on voice chat or something like that. And we win, or we had a good match, but we... Is there ever? I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like people really don't use any kind of voice chat outside of their own private party chats, in Destiny especially. In Destiny, they do not, yeah. But in Overwatch, it's, it's mostly, it's very much Overwatch, like, I guess, culturally or whatever, that you drop into the voice chat for games. And then even if you're not... What I found is even if people aren't on a mic, a lot of people are um, listening. Are listening, they have got the they've got. So when you're so like as a as I've sort of learned more about playing Overwatch, well, if you play main tank, you're expected to shot call. You're expected to let everybody know when when we, when we're pushing, when we're pulling back, um, when you're about to ult, that kind of stuff. Um, so I found, yeah, a lot of people are listening through their TVs because I'll get feedback through the the reaction wheel. Um, Interesting. And that's an, and again, adding an, adding an additional thing I think a lot of games could learn. Des- Overwatch's communication wheel is really good. Um, it and, does allow for a lot more than just the four emotes that you get in Destiny, yeah. Yeah, where you can... And also it's dialogue, too. Right, there's some basic dialogue. Thank you, acknowledged... Um, this is my old current ultimate charge status. Um, you know, then you can pro you can put in voice lines, but those aren't typically strategically useful. Um, but you know, Young just punks get off my lawn. Yeah, but just like the simple stuff, like I'm, I, I, you know, we just lost a team fight and we're getting back to the objective, and I'm I'm saying over the mic, you know, okay, my ultimate's ready. I'm gonna come in behind and try to hit him with it. And then I get three acknowledged, acknowledged, acknowledged over my communication wheel. Like, okay, great. Somebody's listening to me. Um, where I think a lot of games could, could learn Destiny's from... Destiny's got none of that. None of Destiny that. Destiny has zero. Um, and I, I think, yeah, a, a lot of multiplayer... I mean, I've played a lot of multiplayer games in my history. And I think a lot of them could learn from Overwatch's communication... Uh, options and just i really think the big thing is the ease in grouping up um where i think i would have done a lot more destiny raids if i could have done strikes with somebody i say oh like we just did three strikes together hey you guys want to you guys like know anybody who wants to do raid or something like that or if it was like an easy opt-in to voice chat on a strike or something like that um I don't know. I mean, maybe it wouldn't really work out for made Destiny. Obviously, Destiny's a different game. Uh, maybe Destiny players are way more toxic than Overwatch kit players, as toxic as Overwatch players are. Yeah, I, I was know. gonna say it's like the 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 rumor about. I don't want to say the rumor, but like the word about Overwatch community is that it's toxic. But then again, what community isn't labeled as toxic these days? So who knows? Um, who knows where the truth lies? Well, it's, it's funny. Every okay, I, I can I can. I could do it every night. I could go on. I could play a few games, be on voice chat, and then you know, oh hey, you guys aren't toxic. Let's group up. Is what somebody will say, and it was like it happens every <laughs> night. It's like there's, and there's always different people. So I'm like, there's plenty of non-toxic people out there. Everyone just remembers the toxic guys. And I wonder if it's just changing too, if that's just a, a thing that's kind of changing in the culture, or maybe some of it's just, again, where you play. Like maybe on the PlayStation, it's not as bad, or maybe the toxic people are, well, then again, you're even talking about playing in competitive now. Like you're saying you play in competitive now, play, so that's going to be a little different because... Yeah, I play a lot of competitive, um, and it's not, I have not, I've account, definitely encountered toxicity, not frequently. Um, like in different types of toxicity, I would, um, I've definitely been in some groups where I've grouped up in, you know, mixed groups, guys and girls, and some of the guys on the chat were being like really toxic to the girls, um, but not to anybody else. I've, I've definitely been on that and, you know, it's one or two guys out of four people or out of six. And then the other guys are like, dude, shut up. Um... Pretty much. Um, and I've like run into the type like, oh, I'm so drunk right now. Oh, it's so fun playing drunk. Speaking you know, of, 
I discovered that cheap dog peanut butter whiskey is priced cheaper than Screwball for a very good reason. Why is that? Because it's bad. <laughs> it's exactly what I expected peanut butter whiskey to originally taste like when I heard about it, uh, which was not good. Uh, Screwball is priced at a, I don't want to say at a premium because whiskey could get really expensive, but it's uh, Screwball is really good peanut butter whiskey. This I'm I'm mixing it together with a chocolate liqueur. So I don't, uh, I don't, so, so I could get rid of it, basically. I'm just trying to get rid of it at this point. It's like, I bought it and it's like, this is no good. I don't want to hold on to this for long. It's like an extra special Reese's cup. Uh, that's one way to put it. Ah, uh, extra, but. extra special. All right. So anyway, do you have, any, so we talked about multiplayer stuff a bunch. Do you have anything else multiplayer you're doing right now? Um, other than, uh, me and Nolan played through Resident Evil 5 on Twitch so you can go to twitch.tv slash ramblepack64 and um, see the archive of what we played before Twitch deletes it all. Um, that was actually really fun. Uh, it, it's funny that at the rate we're going, Resident Evil 5 is going to be an annual tradition. Because um, we, <laughs> we played it almost the exact same time period last year. And... It, even though we played on the harder difficulty, we had some of the new game plus elements of like upgraded weapons, and we still ended up having an easier time than we had last year. We died so much last year. Um, nice. Well, you know that's no. Oh god. I was just gonna say, but um, I think uh, by the time this episode goes live, we'll probably already have um, started. But I think we're gonna try. Starting this Thursday, which would be tomorrow, our time, might be two days ago by the time this goes up. Um, we're going to try doing a stream of Two Human, but I got to I gotta download the Twitch app and see how it works on my Xbox first. Because Xbox does not natively stream to Twitch like the PlayStation does. Mm. So we'll figure it out. We'll either be streaming Two Human or we'll be streaming something else on PlayStation. We'll see. We'll see. So, um, so I, mentioned, I mentioned a milestone before. Uh, uh oh! I finally beat East Eight. Yes, you did finally beat East Eight. I, I've been playing. Do this we game. Not, Oh, we didn't get to talk about that on the podcast, though. Yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, go. Yeah, uh, it's been it's been two years. So it's really like here's here's what I'll say as as praise for the game for one one praise. There's a bunch of praises. So I did not feel particularly emotionally attached to almost any of the side characters. Now, this some is of the, a praise? This is, let me just continue. But something <laughs> about the game compelled me. I finished the game. I got the perfect ending, the true ending. And then I went back to my last save before the final boss fight. And I 100%ed it. Uh, and then redid the whole final end of it uh, again. I like finished, there was like one quest I missed early in the game. Like, I finished every single available quest, 100% of the map, like, leveled up all of my relationships with all of the characters. Um, and so, like, on the one hand, like, it's weird. It's just weird that I did that. Like, that's not something I do. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I'm not usually, usually I'm a person where I'll get to near the end of a game and I'll be like, well, you know, I could, like finish up all these side quests and tie up all these loose ends or I could do whatever is absolutely necessary for the plot and then just finish it uh, or whatever you know what? I know what you're talking about I know what you're talking about because that's where Control and Jedi Fallen Order sit with me because I was like ah, I could probably platinum this but I'll do it later and it's yeah. like I'm never going to go back and platinum those games yeah yeah exactly so, but like East 8 actually there are I think the on a on a micro level, uh, and then this might be a little different if, with the Japanese voices and other things. And also, it's part of it is the nature of the East games, where you're like you have a completely different cast every game, other than the two core characters. And so, I don't know why there's something. I think there's just, there's something different about like having a, a long series like East, where you're always the same character. And you always build all these great deep relationships with all these characters who will never show up again. Versus something <laughs> like Final Fantasy or whatever where it's 
you know, one and done. Um, where it just, it feels... Well, well, not with 10 and 13, not with those two. That's true. Or, or just, I mean... Any, and or R- even 7 at this point. Most RPG series in general, or RPGs in general, where it's... Um, it's not it's not the sort of thing where you're going to be the same character, but then also you're never going to see any of these other characters again. It's either something like Mass Effect where it's a series, um, or even something like Mass, Mass Effect where, or Dragon Age where they actually did a fairly decent job at at least hinting at your decisions and relationships in past games. Um, or it's just, you know, completely blank slate new character it's sort of, I don't know something feels a little bit more empty about that like yes we're gonna be best friends forever um, too bad this game is a prequel to a different game and you're not in that other game um, <laughs> but anyway so no, you're, you're right because yeast has been going on for a long time now 30-ish years yeah like 25 25-ish to 30 30-ish I'm not sure it's pretty old at this point, and yeah, you're playing the same main main protagonist, but then every story is a different story. It's own, its own different. It's basically the adventures of this guy, right? Exactly. So it's the adventures of Adol Kristen, and mostly his That's friend. That's an awful name. His friend Dogi. Um, well, they made it thirty years ago, and now they can't change it, can they? Um, <laughs> and and uh, yeah, but so anyway, so mechanically, the game's a lot of fun. Um, the story, the ending, I, I was a little skeptical when towards the end, the game sort of shifts gears toward, you know, like every JRPG does, like you thought this was the enemy, but this is the real enemy. Yeah. That's a pretty big thing. You and, just wait um, to play Tokyo Xanadu, man. And, and spoilers. Can I get you a spoiler for East 8 on here? Nobody yeah, sure. sure. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Mute, I mean, granted, I don't even know who listens. Skip, to me, so skip ahead, a, skip ahead a minute or two if you don't want to hear spoilers for Issei. Okay, so the the final boss is Evolution itself, um, and then huh. <laughs> you did because basically what what happens is the what's really happening under the surface is that every. Every time a civilization reaches a certain point, and this has happened now five times in history, you get to meet the the previous the previous species, one representative of each of the previous species this has happened to. Basically, the Great Tree of Origins tests whatever the apex, the current apex species is, and if it's not good enough, it wipes them out with a cataclysm. So you're telling me yeast was just. Mass Effect? Okay, but that except for... <laughs> kind of. Kind of. More or less, yeah. So then... So then you... Instead of, like, having a conversation with whatever, the, you know, the Reapers or whatever thing is in there, you actually just kill evolution. Um, and the world disappears. Um, um, interesting. So it's Mass Effect and Wind Waker in that regard. Kind of. Um, but then basically, so the, the this East 8, the Lacrimosa of Donna. Um, and so Donna, uh, anyway, she's a character you meet on the island. And in the meantime, basically, the goddess who created the world wakes up and is like, oh, crap. They just killed everything. (laughs) (laughs) They just killed evolution and deleted the world. Um, So she really quickly builds everything back together and makes Donna into the goddess of evolution so that now this won't, we won't have to have these cataclysms. We can have an intelligent evolution that's nurtured or something like that. Um, And so it's just like, I don't know, it goes from like, your island castaways cast off on this distant island. And then by the time you get to chapter six, it's like, you're going to kill evolution. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it, anyway, so I was really skeptical when it got to that part of the, the plot. But I think in the end, it, it ended up being fairly well executed. And it was really the only way, really the only way that could have not the only way it was a good way to sort of um 
wrap up a lot of the plot lines regarding Donna and where she came from and, and all this other stuff. So uh, any all in all, uh, it was a really good game, really enjoyable. Uh, it was fun exploring the island. The music is amazing. And um, again, me, a guy who doesn't like to spend extra time on video games, felt compelled to explore the entire island, um, you know, build up all my relationships with all these characters that I, I felt like I didn't really care about that much, but I guess I did care about them a little bit, um, and do all these all these things even after I had acquired the true ending and watched the credit roll credits roll on the game, all for a couple trophies and the satisfaction of knowing I did it. <laughs> Well, uh, at some point this year, I think they're planning on releasing Yeast 9 in America, but I have no idea if that'll be this year now or not. Or not. I haven't really heard uh, much yeah. of it. And they got I some, they got some like, Yeast Kelketa or something like that releasing this year. Oh, so... so they, oh, is it a... Re because there was already... Re oh. Memories of Celsa. There's Memories of Celsa. Maybe they're, like, remastering... That's probably it. Like, if it was a Vita-only game or something like that, or it was a PS3 game, they're going to re-release it now and okay. high-res mastery or whatever. Okay, that's cool. Valkum's doing a lot of that, because there's, uh, there's Legend of Heroes spinoffs that they're releasing this year um, coming out. So, And that's, of course, a series i got to get into. But I'm playing Major Catch-Up, because this, this, this month's been like a disaster zone of... Partially because I've been doing audio editing and now I'm doing video editing of um, the next video. I'm about a third of the way through um, the Ocarina of Time video, so hopefully next week that'll be out. Um, and that's why I said again, like I've already started recording Wind Waker, but like I had Trials of Mana I'm still going through, and by Trials of Mana I mean like the the part of Collection of Mana, so it's the old Super Nintendo the game. That's been interesting because so many Super Nintendo games I go back and I have, you know, the nostalgic muscle memory. I've been playing these games for years, so, or like, like I played them as a kid over and over. So you learn the quirks, you learn how to like, oh, here's this little exploit or here's this little trick with the AI. Now I'm going back and playing one of these games and it's like, man, I don't think this game is incredibly well balanced because this, that, the other thing, and it has these weird difficulty jumps. It's, it, it's fun. I do enjoy it, but I'm, I'm in a state where I'm sitting here like I can't see. Well, I don't feel like the game is as great as people saying, you know, like when, when the Japanese look back on Second Densetsu. It's Second Densetsu 3 that they feel nostalgic for. Whereas mm. here in America, because we never got that, we feel nostalgic for the second one, Secret of Mana. But like going without that nostalgia, I'm going back and it's like, okay, I guess in some ways I can see where that would come from. If, there, if this released in America in 1995, how would I feel versus how I feel now, 25 years later, when this game is clearly... And what I like about it most is that it's a bridge between Secret of Mana and Legend of Mana, which is kind of like a well-duh, but I remember when Legend of Mana came out, a lot of people were angry. They were like, this isn't what we wanted. We wanted Secret of Mana 2. This is uh, too different. This is blah, blah. And considering how Legend of Mana, uh, I mean, Trials of Mana, Second Densetsu 3, ditches the, wevel, the weapon level up, hmm. And it's now got, like, you choose between these three characters, one of them's your main, and you have a different storyline you do every time, kind of a deal. It's the main storyline, but you have little differences because of the characters you choose to be in your party. It's like they were already deviating a bit from what Secret of Mana was. And so Legend of Mana then feels like the next step of that evolution, where they're like, okay, here's another way to uh, to, to change the replayability by giving you a sort of war a sort of world building element to it. And your characters aren't the actual protagonists; like you just help other stories along, kind of a thing. Right. So it's 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 really interesting in that regard. Um, I haven't beaten that yet. Um, the Wonderful 101 Remastered, I got my Kickstarter code, so I started playing that again. And, man, I... It is such a good game. It is so underappreciated. I hope 
by remastering it for Switch, PS4, and PC, it gets a new audience. It finds new life. It gets like a better appreciation because it is such a good, fun game. And it is kind of a beginner's action game. Um, because some of the way that it does things is different than your regular action game. Um, I still, I still need to play it again. There's a lot of Wii U games that I'm wishing for a Switch version. Um, well, the re the, the the retail release is supposed to be the 19th. Who knows how that's going to go? But again, like it's going to be available on either the Switch or the PS4. So, um, and I'm, I'm, uh, sorry, go ahead. I say I might have to try it out on then if it's um, if it, when it comes out. We'll see. But then we, what we've both been playing at different stages, and I need to get. I really need to get back on Persona 5 Royal, or in your case, just Persona 5. No, I play in the Royal Edition. Oh, really? I thought you already had 5. Um, no, I, it was on... I, I don't. I didn't. I, okay. So, we're both playing the Royal Edition. I got a head start ahead of you, because I was playing it before Final Fantasy VII Remake. And then Final Fantasy VII Remake kind of like si sideswiped me as did everything after Final Fantasy VII Remake. So I've been slow progress. I'm about halfway. I'm like 55 hours into the game. Um, it's amazing about that that's where halfway. You. It's a Persona game. Yeah. Um, no, no. Have you played any Persona games or even any of the Shin uh, Megami Tensei? Or? I played a little bit of uh, Shin Megami Tensei Four. Okay. Um, but my biggest exposure is the Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which is, you know... TMS instead of SMT, um, hashtag FE or what? No, no, no. It's FE sharp is what it is because okay, sharp right. FE for Fire Emblem. It's Tokyo. It's basically Shimigami Tensei cross Fire Emblem. Um, and that one, I know a lot of people have basically been like, "Oh, this is my like my favorite secret persona," <laughs> and it's got similarities. It does. It's 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 basically probably the most accessible game of the style. And it combines, it, it takes that whole weakness emphasis and instead you get additional attacks. So it can be really difficult if you're not doing too well, or if you have a bad party set up. But once you set your party up and your moves uh, up that people can session off of others, it's a, it's a really good um, system, a really good rewarding system. And honestly, it's probably more rewarding in that way than uh, Persona 5 Royal is. And Shimigami Tensei 4 was kind of more rewarding for if you knew what you were doing. Well, they kind of got elements of that in Persona 5 Royal, though, because you have the, the, the handoff. Right. Everyone, yeah, they... like, high-fives each other. Like, it's got that style. And I think the style is really what makes Persona 5 Royal what it is. It's got, like, a great presentation to it. Yeah, so that was one of the things that... The presentation is great, and so coming off, so I, I finished um, Persona 4 Golden on, yeah. Golden on the Vita, was that last year I finished it finally? That I think you finished it last year, because it was your Christmas present the year before. Yeah, it was finally. Or no, no, like, no, no, I'm, wait. It took me like a year and a half past? to beat it. It was another one of these ones like East 8, where it's like, I feel like I'm like saying goodbye to an old friend because I've spent years playing the game on and off. Um, yeah. Um, but so, like, Persona 5 just strikes me with all of the, like... Like, I feel like they should have needed, like, two or three sequels to make this level of improvements on the, the a lot of the core of the previous game. Um, in terms of, you know, navigating the world and knowing what to do next. Um... And then the dungeons are actually interesting. Well, the first dungeon was actually interesting. I don't know if the dungeons remain interesting. Uh, whereas Persona... They do. Persona 4 dungeons were basically like just a whole a series of corridors. And sometimes you can turn left or turn right. And then usually <laughs> if you... Either you turn left and you get to the objective and you turn right and you get a treasure... Or you turn left and you get a treasure, or you turn right and you get to the objective. Uh, and then later in the dungeons, they add, you know, flip a switch or kill a specific enemy to proceed. Um, but that's pretty much as complicated as it gets. And I will say, with 
Took, uh, sorry, I was about to say Tokyo Mirage Sessions, even though that's kind of the same thing. Tokyo Mirage Sessions, the dungeons aren't very complicated. The um, dungeons in Persona 5 Royal, though, like, I, I hesitate to call them dungeons. I think them calling them palaces is a very good, like, w differentiator, because that, just the basic inclusion of a stealth mechanic is enough to make it feel different than just walking down corridors. Um... Because it gives you more of an option to choose when to fight, when not. And it changes your interaction with the environment. So it's not just a corridor. You have these hiding spots that you're going down and you're looking out for enemies and stuff like that. It changes your interaction with the level itself. So it feels more... engaging for the simplest word to grab um but you feel the place more it, it it's not just corridors it is a location yeah i would i would agree with that um it also um i think i'm not sure I, at least with the first palace i felt like the game the balance of the game was such that it forced me to leave and return more than I was used to from Persona 5. That might go away, because the first one, they force you well, they, to leave a lot of times. Well, they, and even in the final run, like, once you get the whole thing open, I did a couple leave... Typically, I was running out of SP. Um, because yes, the that's game, definitely a worry up there, too. Yeah, yeah, where they don't give you... Initially, you don't have a lot of money to come into the dungeon with a lot of, of items. And so you don't have a lot of SP, SP in particular. It's There's not a lot of items currently available that restore SP. Um, so you would have to, you basically like run out. But that was my problem is I would be using all my magic attacks to or persona attacks, uh, elemental stuff to, to stun enemies and to get the extra attacks and all that other stuff. And then I would run out, and then I'm like, okay, well, uh, I guess I get to grind my way to the next save point and go back home and sleep it off and come back. So I, I mean, I yeah. only did that a couple of times, but I felt that was, I thought that was actually a good thing because I found that a lot of times I would fit in Persona Five. I finished a dungeon on the first night it was available, and then I just had like two weeks to slack off. Uh, well, it's funny because I kind of ran into that situation, and I still took my time. Um, in my in the last chapter that I completed, like by the time I got out of the the uh, I completed the palace, in game time I had 21 days left until the initial deadline, and it was like, wow, I uh, I guess I'm going to do nothing but social stuff until then. Um, and that's the funny thing because then another dungeon, I basically did the whole thing in two sessions. Um, so it, it does vary. It does depend on uh, the dungeon and, of course, how you're leveled up and how your equipment is. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I'm, I'm really thoroughly enjoying it. The story matter... The original was... was or not the original, but Persona 4 was definitely dark. Um, this is... It's, it's definitely... At least the initial story feels a lot more... Dark. Well, you not only have that first chapter, you have the, 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 I don't want to call it bookend. The, um, the setup, right? Well, the. Yeah, maybe it is the book. It's like the, 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 the wrapping. I, I, oh, I can't remember the specific name for it, but it's like the, 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 the manner in which you're telling the story, because it's basically all flashback. You're right. telling the events to someone. Which means the game began in media res. You probably began like towards the middle of the story or like two thirds through the story. So that even is what was a kind of surprising way for them to be yeah. telling it. Yeah, I was a me. little bit, I was a little confused. The game starts like heavily in media res and then, right, then turns into a flashback. Uh, and. Yeah, so there's that. Well, there's also just the the reasoning why you're uh, you're in your current situation, 
with the whole like assault, um, where you know you were defending, you're protecting somebody, um, but you're charged with assault, and you have a criminal record now as a teenager, and all this other stuff where it's like, like I mean that's not as dark, but that's definitely that definitely feels real, I guess, as, as part of it. Yeah, it's 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 a sort of messed up situation that it's like, you, you really think about what it feels like to be a kid in this scenario, like a teenager especially, and it's like, this is something that you just, how do you deal with this? This is a situation that you, you can't really win from. Like, you've got this mark on you and everyone's already judged you. Like, you have the rumors going around school. People are saying, like, oh, you cut somebody, or like, oh, you, yeah. you, you did this. Uh, don't look him in the eye, he's going to kill you. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like there, there's all these rumors, and you're just a little dweeby kid with like messy hair and glasses. Like, yeah, you look like any anything but. And granted, that's kind of cool too, because then you swap into the um. Alpha, okay, th- this is something that I'm actually uh, I don't know. You know what? No, I, I, I'll save that. I won't get into that because I feel like some of the 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 alter egos of people don't actually match their their actual out. Like, I get it, it's supposed to be like a, an alter ego. Like, who you are outside of the Persona realms is like, that's your mask. That's your real mask. And then your true self is like, you're, you're, like the protagonist's true self is Joker. The um, Ryuji's real self is Skull. But I don't think Anne's real self is panther yeah that uh, that initially hit me a little bit wrong where where the whole like part of the the disgustingness of um i don't think this is giving too much away here Uh, part of the of um the initial palace is the you know uh the owner of that palace and the way that he's over sexualized on and she's, you know, prancing around in a bikini or whatever. Um, her, not her for real, but her, the cognitive form of her that he imagines. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, An gets so mad that she puts on a leather cat suit, half unzipped. Like, like is this? Yeah. Is this, and then <laughs> wait until the next chapter because, again, like, it, 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 it seems to go counter to her actually personality. And it's like, I'm not sure, like, I, I don't, yeah, it, 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 it's it's weird, but, like, other other characters are, I mean, I, I will say, wait until you get to Makoto. Makoto is best character. Makoto, okay. She's definitely my favorite. And at first, it seems like her, her persona is jarring as well. But the more you develop her character, the better it is. And she's definitely the best one and she's got the best design too wait she's not the one that's like oh i have to like impress senpai or is is that her or something no that's the new character i can't remember her name. okay i was wondering if she was the addition for the for the uh, whatever royal edition i did find out from a friend of mine because i basically said like Playing thus far, she feels like half of her scenes feel like they naturally fit into the game. The other half of her scenes feel like they're just randomly thrown in. And evidently that's that goes even further than I expected because evidently she doesn't really interact with any of the main story elements. So it, she is a weird inclusion into the game, the way they threw her in there. Interesting. Because so. the I would not have, based on the way they did cutscenes and other stuff, even they must have even redone the animated cutscenes because in Persona 4 Golden, the character I would not have known, I would not have even guessed that that character wasn't included without, in the original version without being told. She even has a function. The Persona in Persona 4, 4, you mean? Yeah, in Persona okay. 4, the added character even has a function in the Velvet Room. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so like I just never would I never would have guessed it, uh, but so yeah. That's also interesting because in this though, thus far, as far as I am in the game, the only character aware of the Velvet Room is the protagonist. Yeah, well, so yeah, nobody else other than her is is available in the Velvet Room. Oh, okay. Um, but so she she's it's yeah. Um, 
but there's there's other stuff we could probably speculate on i imagine we'll even we we may do a, pro, a spoiler podcast on it at some point we may just gradually keep talking about it but i, I do think, think that's a good time to wrap up for wrap tonight it up. so did you have any last thoughts then you sound like you had something else to say uh no i was going to talk about morgana a little bit um it was actually a dude, I guess, but like, it's a he, yeah, yeah. Which is Morgana is definitely not like a dude's name, um, but that's okay. Neither is Mona. What was Mona? Was that the that's, mascot character in the previous one? No, no. Mona is like the like Panther, Skull, Joker, Mona. Even though, it, anyway. Uh, oh, the code name. The code name. That's what. That's what it is. Yeah, it's late. It's too. It's too late to remember the word code name. <laughs> but, but anyway, I, I actually, I, I'll be honest. I kind of like Morgana. I, I, I completely just, for. I, I I wasn't expecting to like the character. I kind of do. Yeah, I like. So Teddy was the the one in the last one. I I was gonna discuss something, but then I think I'll just leave it. Uh, for now, and uh, right, leave it for yeah, now. we'll leave it for now. Well, I'm hoping. I think this would be one that'd be good to do a, a, a nice, big, long discussion on. Uh, hopefully, one day. Probably. I mean, at some point, I'm going to give my my blog a second update on thoughts regarding the game and its themes and ideas. So, uh, I might talk to you a little bit more about Persona 4 though before I do so. Um, yeah. But anyways, uh, I guess that's it from us. Um, hopefully we'll see you guys. Uh, uh, we'll find out. I mean, who knows what's going to go on with this quarantine. Might go on a little bit longer. Might not uh, go on too much longer. Who knows? We'll find out. Um, hopefully one day we'll be doing this together again. In person, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, everybody, have a good night. Have a good night. Have a good night.